Vandy bolsters their staff with a veteran offensive line coach. Here we go. You are Locked On Vandy, your daily podcast on the Vanderbilt Commodores, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Vandy podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Thanks for making Locked On Vandy your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shows brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team. And they can do it faster and for free. So post your job at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So Vanderbilt and Clark Lee continue to build on offense by adding another veteran coach. That veteran coach is Chris Klinakis. I think I said that right. Klinakis. Um, he is uh, – so why is this good? So, that, like I said, they continue to build their offensive staff. They add a veteran coach. This is a good thing. This is a great thing. Why? Because, A, he has offensive coordinator experience uh, at Nevada, Arkansas, and Louisville, uh, and most recently, Kennesaw State. Uh, he has – uh, he has worked with tons of phenomenal quarterbacks, the most notable Lamar Jackson, the year he won the Heisman, and uh, Colin Kaepernick when he was at Nevada. Uh, we all know, um, despite all the the negative stuff about Colin Kaepernick right now, he was phenomenal in college, and uh, and he was uh, he was part of that. So he's coming. He really came up through the pistol scheme, um, but he's also. I think what makes him valuable here is a he's done a great job of not only developing quarterbacks as an offensive coordinator through his scheme, but also his work as an offensive line coach, which which is what he's coming to Vanderbilt to do. And I think his experience in these were non-conventional offenses. Um, I, let's just let's just call it what it is: non-conventional offenses. Um, you know, you had you had the things they were doing with Lamar Jackson was kind of on the forefront of, hey, this is the new age quarterback. Lamar Jackson kind of broke the mold of what a what a quarterback should be. He's continuing to do so in the NFL. Uh, probably the best quarterback in the NFL, um, if I had to say so. But uh, he has uh, mostly pistol-based stuff. I mean, he's used to kind of working in these, like, I don't want to call it unconventional offenses or different offenses, unique offenses or whatever, whatever buzzword you want to use to kind of disparage what, this offense is or will be it's an offense that is just kind of multiple it's just kind of a blend of what other schemes the best of what other schemes have to offer and it's really and, and coach and, and kurt page said this yesterday i call him, i'm so used to call him coach page but he said this yesterday like playing to the strengths of your personnel so like doing what doing what your personnel is good at Right, you have a you have a guy Nate Johnson who is going to be great in the plus one run game. He can throw he can throw quick game. He can he can read out RPOs. He can operate out of the pistol or the or the sidecar. He can even operate out of under center if need be. So again, uh, for that and his experience and wisdom and knowledge, he can impart with Tim Beck and and staff 
in that regard, I think is incredible coming from the perspective of, of the offensive line coach is probably the most pivotal point of view that you can have when you're game planning and put together offense because the group that is going to affect the most outside of obviously the quarterback is the offensive line. And you need a veteran guy because this is going to take a little bit of work. Now, AJ Blazik was really good. Uh, I've heard a lot of great things about him and, you know, wish him well at Wisconsin. He'll do, he'll do really, really well with, with Luke fickle and, uh, and be in a good situation there. But you know what this offensive line needs because it's going to be a lot of inexperienced guys, uh, transfer portal guys, and maybe look to add some others um, as we go. But it's going to be kind of a test to find the best five or even the best seven or eight because you, you'll you want some rotational guys in there too. But uh, just kind of find the right mix there. Find the, find the schemes that work perfectly for that group uh, and, and marry those up to what – Nate Johnson does well, presuming he's the quarterback and and kind of how the other pieces kind of gel into that. But the offensive line is something that needs to be shored up first when you're looking at scheme. How does it affect them? What are they good at? Like if you have a really good wide zone, inside zone duo team, like is his gap schemes really beneficial uh, and, and vice versa? Like what, what are your strengths and what, what these – unconventional offenses do is actually just take strengths into into consideration. Like Lamar Jackson will never, was never, and currently is not a pocket passer. Like he can, I mean, he can survive from the pocket, um, but that's not, you're not going to, you're not going to sit him in the pocket like they did Brady, right? You're not going to do those things with, with Lamar Jackson. They didn't do those things with Lamar Jackson at Louisville. They're not doing those things with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Like guys in the NFL that try to do that oftentimes fail. Square peg around holes while Luke Getzi's out in Chicago. Um, these NFL coaches just think, hey, we're the NFL. Our scheme is king. We're going to just fit you right in and, and do what we do, and you're going to assimilate or we're going to cut you and find somebody else, which is absolutely not true because you may end up being like the Bears and drafting a guy like Justin Fields who does, who has his particular skill set. He's not a sit-in-the-pocket and read out a five-progression drop-back concept type of quarterback. He's just not. And a lot of college quarterbacks aren't that either. You're, those are probably more rare than the guys who are. Like the guys who are those type of readers – are rare. Like Aiden O'Connell is probably the closest thing you got to a five progression reader pocket guy. And he's, I mean, he's the starting quarterback for the Raiders and I don't know if he will be next season, but uh, he, he, he's that uh, Sam Howell is probably the closest, the next closest to being that uh, true pocket passer. But even then, he's got a little bit of athleticism. He's got a little bit of wiggle, but he's not – obviously, they're not running him as a, as a running quarterback. But, um, you know, you just got to kind of take into consideration what you have. And with Chris Kleenakis, I got to I gotta work on saying his name. <laughs> Chris Kleenakis. I'm just not comfortable saying his name yet, but – uh, Chris Kleenakis, Chris Kleenakis, Chris Chris Kleenakis. Okay, there you go. There's my practice. But uh, anyway, but between Tim Beck, Chris Kleenakis, and the rest of the offensive staff, which we're going to talk about another guy that's going to be kind of 
sort of in the mix, but he's going to be more he's going to be more focused on special teams probably. But um, it's uh, it, it's going to be an interesting journey, and I, I think if you get some guys that have uh, another reason it's good is his perspective, right? And and uh, his perspective is really good and vast. He's been in a lot of different places and a lot of different situations. I mean, you look at his resume, it's like he's been all over the freaking place and uh, not for, you know, sometimes not for good reasons. But, um, you know, he's most most recently he's been at Kennesaw State. You want to talk about a unconventional offense. Uh, they're kind of a – I mean, they kind of turned into a needs-based offense because they were getting further and further away from the true Paul Johnson system. And then they were starting to find guys that fit into – kind of exactly what Tim Beck was looking for um, as an offensive line coach and, and, and scheme-wise. They were kind of looking in that same regard. So um, this is – as far as skills and stuff, you know, that that kind of – that pans out. Uh, the, the concern, obviously, is, you know, the reports out there that back in 2018 he got busted for DUI and he had, you know, beer cans in his car and all that stuff. So, like, you – like you see that and you immediately question his judgment. But I mean, you know, he made a mistake. Um, he has since recovered from that. And I, I think he's got another shot at, uh, at a power five job here. And he's coming in as an offensive line coach. And, you know, you, you hope that, you know, you, you hope that those, that, that stuff is behind him. But, you know, it's always going to be in the back of your mind. Okay, what what's going on here? Like these guys, you know, sometimes these guys come with baggage, and you know that's got to be talked about. It's got to be mentioned. Okay, uh, it, it wouldn't be fair of me to not mention it. You know, to give you all the sunshine and none of, none of the shadows, but um, that's probably the that's probably the dark shadow there sitting over Chris Kleinakis. And uh, but as far as being an offensive line coach and developing offensive linemen, I mean, he's he's as good as anybody. I mean, his the fundamentals. Uh, the, the way he teaches things, progressions, and you know all that stuff. Um, I'm gonna over the next few weeks kind of look at some of you know try to find some of his. Uh, hopefully, you know they've published you know coaches published things, uh, drill tapes and things on you know YouTube is a vast vast resource, and so I'm gonna take a look at it and and see um, just kind of where where he is on that. But um, I'm excited about it. I, I think adding a veteran guy. Uh, Clark Lee again uh, seek to understand. Uh, Kurt Page was was said it yesterday. You know he he comes in, he's learning, he's learning, he's learning. Well now the learning's got to be over. Now he's got to put his learning in motion. Uh, three years is probably a little too long to be in the learning phase, but uh, he's definitely putting some things in motion. I think some things are clicking in Clark Lee's mind um, as as head coach. I think he's making a lot of the right moves right now and hiring veteran guys, and he's not afraid to bring in veteran presence. And, um, you know, his hiring this time around versus the last time he was hiring people is remarkably better. And what's surprising about it is the situation is a lot worse. You're coming off a two and 10 season, seemingly on the hot seat, no matter, you know, if you go two and 10 again next year, you're probably gone, even though the support is there. The alumni and talking with Kurt yes, last, uh, you know, last night, they, it's just the support is still there. They still, you know, they want like people. I think want Clark Lee to do well, 
they just don't have a ton of faith in him right now, and rightfully so, coming off two and ten. But um, it's there. You know, the moves are there. The things are there. The things are set. They're they're adding pieces. They're 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 doing things intentionally to bring about change, and that's all you look for. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then you know you, you figure out what needs to happen, what the next move needs to be, and you and, and you make the, you make the next move. You know, and that's on the AD. And if the AD can't make that move, then maybe we need to make a move on the AD. Um, you know, the, that same decision is going to have to come down about basketball here pretty soon. Uh, unfortunately for Candace Story Lee, that she's going to have to she's got to make that tough call, which it's all it's inevitably looking that way. So. But we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But welcome, Chris Klinakis. I'll promise I'll get better at saying that. But welcome, Chris Klinakis, new offensive line coach. Uh, let's uh, let's get it anchored down. When we come back, we're going to talk about changes in the special teams in the kicking game. Uh, more changes, more changes, more changes. Which sometimes change is good. Coming off two and ten, so we'll talk about that coming up next. All right, welcome back. Uh, we are presented by LinkedIn Jobs. That's right. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success depend all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created, created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. So, LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy that, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's That's pretty good. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and it might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. It is segment number two. Man, this show's flying by. So um, a lot of change in the Vanderbilt program, and we'll get to that here in just a second, but I want to make sure I mention uh, thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure you make Locked On SEC your second listen. And I keep pumping them up because it's such a great show because as as a conference, as a member of this conference, we want to be very knowledgeable in the happenings of this conference. And Chris Gordy and crew do a phenomenal job at making sure we are knowledgeable and educated and being the most educated conference in college football. All right, so you can fo- so make sure you check that out. But in, in the meantime, follow our show at Locked on Vandy on X and Instagram. And I want to thank the everydayers for making all of this possible. Scotty Derrick is an everydayer. Kurt Page is an everydayer. Um, and without you guys um, and the vast number of others, and if you are an everydayer, make sure you leave a comment and say, "Hey, I am an everydayer. I'm in the club." Make sure you mention me. I don't want to. I don't want to get in trouble for leaving people out. So make sure, make sure I get you mentioned. Okay. Um, my goal is to get to a thousand subscribers. 
we can get to a thousand subscribers, there might be some better, bigger and better things on the horizon as far as what we can do with this show and, and how we can make sure that Vanderbilt is a well-loved college football community. So that being said, lots of change. Well, there's been a lot of change. A in making this show happen uh, is is one of the other one of the big changes that Lockdown said. Hey, we need to have the entire SEC represented. I stepped in, Nashville native, got a soft spot for uh, for Vanderbilt. Uh, Follow the program, had some kids play there uh, that I coached. Father Ryan, Jawan Jawan Williams being the most notable, Andrew Rector being uh, the other most notable. Um, but you know, obviously Jawan got uh, drafted by the New England Patriots. So there you go. Change, 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 man. Uh, that's the theme of today's show, change. Okay, if I had to describe one, if I had to describe the show in one word, it would be change, right? New offensive line coach, Chris Kleenakis. Chris Kleenakis. All right, so Justin, these names are killing me tonight. Uh, Justin Lustig is out. Uh, he's going to Penn State. And uh, he's going to take over their special teams and uh, join James Franklin's staff. And Jeff LePac, the special teams analyst, or was the special teams analyst, will take over Lustig's role role on staff. And what makes that important is that, like, you know, you're, you're obviously your kickers and punters and long snappers. They're going to they're going to work with specialists, right? To, to perfect their craft of kicking. So like a special teams coach is not going to necessarily make a great kicker. He may facilitate some things, but ultimately they're not going to make the kicker who the kicker is. Now, as far as the coverage units, the protection units, things like that, you know, that's where the special, that's where you have to have a good special teams guy. And it's such an important position and people often overlook it because, Oh, it's just the kicking game. What could possibly happen in a kick game? Well, why don't you ask? Why don't you ask Tyler Simmons, who was offsides and blocked a kick, got called back, right? Drew up a phenomenal block and didn't get it, right? What do you? How do you think Dan Campbell with the Detroit Lions? How do you think he values special teams? He values it greatly. He takes time, puts in fakes, things like that, um, and, and executes, right? Does a, does a great job at that, right? Special teams makes can make or break games is, is the point. I'm not trying to call out anybody negatively or positively, but the it, it makes they make great games, and they make things interesting. They can turn the momentum of a game just like that. So if you have a good special teams guy, they can either, uh, you know, again, not everything's going to be perfect, right? You're at some point as a special teams coordinator, you're going to have a kick blocked. You're going to have a return uh, returned on you. You're going to have things happen in, in the kicking game. Um, the other team also has a special teams coordinator as well. Like they may do a great job of, you know, sending guys through a particular gap. They might do a great job of whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things that happen. But if you have a good if you have a good guy in place, your special teams is going to be pretty daggum good for the most part. And it's going to make it like it's gonna make a difference with special teams, you're gonna have throughout the course of the season, you're gonna have one game be decided positively and one game decided 
negatively in special teams. And so I, I think it's important to have somebody that has, you know, he was, I don't say understudy, but like he was the analyst. He was the off field guy uh, for probably one of the better, better units in, uh, in, in the program. And uh, Justin Lustig did, did a phenomenal job uh, coordinating the special teams. And he had a big time assist from Jeff LePak. And I think that's why Jeff LePak is sitting in this position because of the assist that he provided, the, the analytical work, the scheme draw-ups, the, the advanced scouting, the understanding of special teams trends, you know, how different teams have different tendencies, all of that stuff was well scouted by Jeff LePak and well put together. And oftentimes probably they were able to get great looks at practice because of it. And, and that's, that's, that's vastly important, right? That's vastly important. So uh, special teams is, is key. And Jeff LePak, I think taking that over will be, uh, will be great. So um, change, man. This is where it comes. Special teams is great, man. And, uh, you know, it's going to continue to be good. And I, I think that Jeff LePak is going to get his baptism by fire. Now, again, you're taking a risk by hiring an analyst and, and bringing him up. Uh, you're taking a risk there, right? You're, you're, you know, but who knows? And, and that may not be a permanent thing. That may just be an interim thing. I, I don't know. I'll keep you more updated when they kind of just make an official announcement of who's taking that spot. But as of right now, it looks like it's going to be Jeff LePak. Uh, wouldn't be wouldn't shock me if if they stuck with that move, um, and and uh, and just rolled with it because, you know, maybe he's worthy. There's there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes with analysts that, you know, you just wonder. So good special teams is very very important. It's a third of the game. So there you go. Now when we come back, we are going to discuss the the premium seating they just launched. They just launched another rendering of what to expect at Vanderbilt. So stay tuned for that. All right. We are also presented by FanDuel. The, the NFL playoffs are in full swing. So there's, but, uh, and, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It is a divisional round. So you still have plenty to bet on. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, welcome in. Let's uh, let's wrap up the show. We got a few minutes to do so. Uh, we talked offensive line and Chris Kleenakis. We talked about Jeff Lepak possibly taking over the special teams if that's if that's the case. Um, which if that's the permanent case, that would be great. Uh, special teams is important, but uh, you know, last thing is, is is kind of the support system that Vandy United is pro providing. I, I think you're starting to see an athletic department that's or a university that's finally starting to realize that. Maybe we should start to pay attention to, to athletics a little bit. And with this Vandy United collective and, you know, this, I, I don't, I don't know a, a ton about it right now, but it seems to be moving all in the right direction. They seem to be uh, with this new athlete village. They seem to kind of get it 
little bit, making the experience for not only the fans and the alumni, but the current student athletes, a positive one. And if they can do that, they will get the buy-in and they will start to kind of become a first class, you know, first class athletic department that recruits want to come to high school kids want to come to transfer people want to transfer into. Uh, and, and obviously the NIL stuff uh, goes a long way, but you know, looking at these premium seats and I can't show you this video. I really want to, I really, really want to. And Vandy, if you give me permission to use some of your videos, that would be great. Um, so uh, looking at the premium seating, the, 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 the new North end zone and South end zone projects uh, for the stadium in particular, uh, they showed. They went through, and not, they didn't just do the overview. They didn't just re uh, release images. They had one of those, you know, standard architect uh, rendering videos. It was like three. No, what was it? No, it was like four and some change long. Um, so it went through and showed every inch of the north end zone and south end zone facilities, kind of what the seats would look like, uh, the different types of seating, the different types of fan experiences that you can have uh, in those facilities and things like that. Uh, I think there was athlete, student athlete dining on both sides. There was a basketball operations center um, in the North end zone. Uh, there was all kind of stuff that I think would make the, the viewing experience really, really good. Um, you know, the field level boxes, the living room suites were were great, man. They had those recliners with the cup holders, you know, that you just envy when you go into a furniture store and you're like, I got to buy that, right? That's what they have. That's what they're going to have in the stadium. The, the, the suites are, are really nice. The areas, the hospitality areas, the fan experience areas, like the Commodore club and the, you know, all the, all that kind of stuff. Just first class, man. And, and if they, if it looks anything like the rendering, it's going to be, Nothing short of phenomenal. And I, I think that's probably the best thing to happen to the university. And I think the fan experience is going to benefit from that. Now, I say that to say that I'm impressed with it, obviously. And anytime you see a rendering, you always, you know, those renderings are designed to make you ooh and ah a little bit. And they did. It worked. <laughs> you know, it did work. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm worried about. Here's the concern that I have. The pricing. Like if Vanderbilt wants to make this a true, you know, home field experience and not just sell out to corporate and and with those tickets that are going to end up being in the hands of Texas fans, LSU fans, Auburn fans, or whatever fans are coming uh, to Vanderbilt, it's going to end up in their hands if you're not careful. And the pricing I think needs to reflect that. It doesn't need to be cheap seats, but like. You know, it, it, you know, it is premium seating, but is it premium seating or is it premium seating? And, and by premium seating, I mean like it's too expensive for the, for the fans. And it's just going to go all corporate, which would be a drag. And I, I think there needs to be options. I think there needs to be affordable things for, for fans to be able to come in. Like the living room suites, like you, you need to make those like, actually reasonable enough to where you know a fan you know like a you know i don't know how to describe it but like not a filthy rich like i've got six ferraris in the driveway fan can only afford these seats like you know you need to you need to have those available to people who you know 
you don't need to price people out because a you know you're coming off a two and ten season, so it's going to be tough to sell extremely expensive seats. People are going to be like, yeah, I'm not buying that until the team shows me something, right? But if if it's an experience that's affordable and by affordable, reasonable enough to be still premium, but also not gouging the prices out to where you know only you know the only people that can buy those are corporations and you know it's just they're just used for stuffy corporation events and they're like oh we have a contingent of texas fans we're going to welcome them to the game so you look over in the south end zone it's all burnt orange like that's not good but uh you know that's the only thing that concerns me make the prices good but the facilities are top notch and, and it's just again it just shows another level of support like hey we're going to make vandy a unique place and that they've accomplished that they've made vandy a unique place so um it's a uh, it's good it's good and i'm um, i'm really excited about the new seats i'm really kind of excited about how um how things are going there and uh it's going to be you know, I said it in the first episode that I talked about it. I'll say it again now that I've seen inside even better than I expected. And the field level seats, I think, are going to be the, the coolest seats, like the ones right on the bottom of the end zone. Because, like, I think they're trying to do the same field level suites that a lot of the pro teams are doing, where you have the seats that are right on the field, but then you could just dip into the suite there behind you and, like, go to the open bar or, like, Grab you some chicken wings off the food line or whatever. Like you don't have to go to concessions or anything. So that'll be good. And and hopefully some of the other stuff they're doing with the concourses and widening those out and the actual existing stadium that they didn't tear down. Like they need to improve some of that too. So uh, looking forward to kind of seeing how this turns out um, in in the long run. And I, I'm, you know, again lots of changes for Vanderbilt, but that's a good thing. And you know, welcome to the new coaches. No, we're going to get this scheme going. Spring practice starts fairly soon. I think Vandy's usually on the early side of of the spring practice window, so we'll uh, we'll get into that coverage and and looking forward to kind of seeing how uh, seeing how these guys gel in the new system and, and just kind of check it out. I'm gonna try to make it to a practice if uh, Barton will return a call, but. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here at the Locked On Vandy Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to thank all of my everydayers, and uh, welcome back to my scroll here. Uh, follow the show at Locked On Vandy on X and IG. Thank you to my everydayers. As always, you guys make this completely possible, and, and uh, I love you guys for that. So um, I'm going to let you go there, but I uh, hope you have a great Wednesday. If you're in Nashville, hope you're battling the snow and not going too stir crazy. Um, if it's snowing where you are, same message. If it's not, I'm jealous. So anyway, Lockdown Vandy. I'm Corey Burton. Anchor down. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Goodbye.